Hi, Jim. Hey, Tracy. Little Things First podcast. As always, week to week, you can count on us on Tuesdays. We uh, have this awesome podcast. Who are we, <laughs> we talking? Th- we think it's awesome. Yeah. Who, who are we talking to today? Um, okay, so I saw this article. Actually, one of my friends who we interviewed on this podcast, Rachel Nance, um, sent me this article, and uh, it just really got me thinking because in Minneapolis, which has been in the news right, um, quite a lot lately, um, the school district is, um, or at least the Minneapolis Board of Education, is severing ties with the police department. So, wow. you know, we see a lot of police officers in schools making sure that order is maintained right and now they're moving away from that model and so i just thought well that would be a really interesting talk about you know what little things do we need to pay attention to instead of strengthening our relationship with police in schools okay it's kind of a big bold move so who we're gonna we're gonna i know talk to two people so i'm gonna call out to is it kim yep this is kim ellison she's the president of the minneapolis Board of Education. And then who's our second guest once we get that figured oh, she's out? She's the chair, excuse me, okay. of the Minneapolis Board of Education. And then we're going to talk to Nathaniel, um, I'm not sure his last name. Janine, I think. Yes, and he's the student member, um, student representative on the um, Minneapolis Board of Education. Okay. I'm also very impressed that Miss um, Allison recommended we talk to uh, Nathaniel. Nice. As part of this conversation. Nice. Okay. Well, let's call Kim and then we'll have to be a little patient while we do this little like three-way call thing. Okay. All right. So this is calling Kim right now. Hi, this is Kim. Hi, Kim. This is Jim Martin with Little Things First. Hi. Hi, Kim. This is Tracy Vandeventer. Hi, nice to see you. Here, hear you. Hear ya. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. How are you doing? Good. Uh, so we've already given like a little introduction to our interview today, and um, we're going to actually get Nathaniel on the line. So we're going to do a three-way, and if you give us just a second, we're going to get him on the line too, okay? Sure. Yep. All right, here we go. His number... Is that, does he go by Nathaniel or is he Nate? Oh, she's on hold. She can't answer. Hello? Is this Nathaniel? Yep. Hi, Nathaniel. This is Jim Martin with Little Things First. How are you? Are you there? How are you today? I'm doing all right. Oh, good. And we're actually already recording you, so just wanted to let you know. We've actually got Kim on the other line, so we're going to bring her. I think she might be back. Are you back, Kim? I am back. Yes. Oh, okay, great. Excellent. So thanks for joining us, both of you. Nathaniel, can you go by Nathan? Nathaniel? Uh, I don't really have a preference. Okay. Either sign. Okay. We'll just go with Nathaniel then. And how do you say your last name? Uh, Janine. Janine. Okay. I think Perfect. you said it right, Tracy. Okay. That's well, that's because I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> I grew up there in Fridley. <laughs> All right. So um, why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about yours. Thank you so much for joining us, first of all. But tell us a little bit about yourselves. 
Kim, why don't you go first? Okay, sure. Um, I am the mother of four grown children um, who I adore. So proud of them. They all attended Minneapolis public schools um, at some point during K-12. Uh, former alternative ed high school teacher, and in my ninth year as a Minneapolis school board member. And this year I'm the chair. Very nice. Nathaniel, how about you? Uh, uh, hi, everyone. I'm Nathaniel. Uh, I'm currently a rising senior at Washburn High School in South Minneapolis. Uh, I'm going into my 13th year as a student in the Minneapolis Public Schools, and I'm currently the senior representative to the Minneapolis Board of Education. Excellent. So, um, your city has been in the news um, quite a bit lately uh, since the death of uh, George Floyd. And how are you two dealing with the the national attention? Well, for me, it's it's a day by day um, thing. We were already and are still going through you know this pandemic, um, and so this just has added to it, you know, for a couple, for a week, you know, our city was burning, which was scary, but, um, so I just get up every day and see, see what that day brings. I'm mostly really proud of the city though. Um, especially around the public art that has propped up and, and is not being labeled as graffiti as have happened in the past. And I think it's important that, um, we have it, you know, we've got protests, we've still got people um, standing in the space where uh, Mr. Floyd was murdered. Um, but the art just kind of adds to the system of the protest. It's, it kind of feeds the soul and it tells a story. Um, and so I'm, I'm really proud that um, that has been allowed to be part of our, our residents' reaction to this killing. How about you, Nathaniel? How has this impacted you? Yeah, I think, you know, like the media attention or, you know, where Minneapolis is on the headlines is uh, kind of an afterthought at this point. I mean, I think right now it ranks pretty low on the long list of priorities. But I think the one frustrating part was I think the world kind of got to see, you know, our darkest nights, but they didn't really get to see our brightest mornings. Uh, like Director Ellison was talking about, uh, the memorials, the murals across the city. Uh, you know, our school is just being completely overwhelmed with donations. Uh, the peaceful protests that still go on uh, to this day, there's a big one yesterday, uh, that don't really get the coverage uh, they deserve. Uh, but I, I think the one somewhat okay outcome is that uh, I think, you know, people have finally began uh, to see some of you know, the inequities, I don't want to say shortcomings because they're definitely not short. I'll say the, the huge shortcomings uh, in our city that kind of, you know, get overlooked by some people and even by a lot of people who live in Minneapolis as well. I'm, and I'm curious, as you, you know, look back a year ago and you were both going to be part of the school board, and of course this was not at all on your radar, right? Was there Was there ever a time where you were just feeling, I don't know, just so overwhelmed by that process and that, because, you know, usually it's kind of a easygoing thing to be on the school board. You know, there's a couple of challenges about a budget and, or maybe you have to make a decision about which principal to hire. 
You know, how, how has it been to be part of this leadership group that's kind of had to take some, you know, big decisions and, and work with them? And, and all of a sudden, like I said, I'm chair this year. We, um, we elect our leadership in January. Um, in Minneapolis, we have been working for the last couple of years on a comprehensive district design, which we design um, our schools and our theater schools and, and programs within the schools. And it was a really big deal. And I've recently told the superintendent I was ready to lead this, this district through a decision about the comprehensive district design. We voted in March. Um, I don't know if I was ready to lead through a pandemic um, and virtual meetings and what does that look like, how you make decisions as a governing body um, when you can't be in the same room and talking with constituents. Um, and then definitely not through a major decision because of what happened in the streets of our city. Um, he has pointed out that, you know, this is the time, that this is where, where we are, and that I have stepped up, and that, you know, he's like, Kim, you're doing a good job. And so it is, it is I was not expecting it, like I said, but, um, but it is where we are. And I think our district is doing an okay job maneuvering through it. Um, one thing I've done is I called the leaders of our other governing body, local governing bodies, the city, the parks, and the county, and we meet um, the president or the chairs of those committees once a week. And at first it was to discuss, you know, what is what does a meeting look like? How are we going to get input from the public? But now we're talking about homeless encampments and how we can support how the county can support the city or what the parks are doing to help the schools. And, you know, and it's, it's a time that we all stepped into and we're making it work. And I'm really proud of that. So, And, and I want to thank you for that because again, it, it is kind of a thankless job and very few people are willing to step into it. So kudos to you for being there and for staying and helping to navigate because the rest of our society relies on groups just like that to to help us look at it closely and try to make informed decisions. And and we know it it can't always be easy. So thank you. Thank you. And Nathaniel, are you starting your term or are you ending your term? Uh, I actually, I get a one-year term. So I started in January. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I think Chair Ellison, Director Ellison remembers uh, that was it was it was a slap in the face kind of moment. Uh, you know, it was one of the larger. I, I, I actually, I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to talk about it because uh, I came in middle of the CDD process. Uh, you know, three months in, there's a pandemic. Uh, you, we have all these, you know, we have all these you know, problems that arise. We have to push back the vote. Uh, literally two weeks after that vote, uh, you have the murder of George Floyd. So, uh, you know, I think for any, you know, member of the board, I think this last six months has definitely been, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's definitely been, I don't want to say eventful too, because that sounds toned down, but, uh, it has been, it, it hasn't been easy. I don't think it's been uh, simple work or you no know, easy work at all. 
Right. So really, your board was already dealing with kind of some big things before the COVID-19 and before George Floyd's death. Yes, yeah. we were. Um, we, 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 we had public comment um, every business meeting, and those people can speak for three minutes, whatever's on their mind, and those were lasting three, four hours long. Um, we had a lot of people interested in this decision we were making about redesigning our district. Um, and then the pandemic, you know, like um, Nathaniel said, we had to push back the vote so that we could get more input from people because they weren't feeling heard, uh, made some changes, um, and then voted and, and passed it. But then literally, you know, the pandemic and then the murder um, just kept coming, you know things. So was the the separation from the police department part of your original design, the CDD process, or was that something that came after um, the murder of George Floyd? Well, it was it was separate. It was not part of the um, CDD process, but it is a three-year contract that needs to be renewed, and our current contract was expiring in August. Um, and three years ago, and three years before that, it's it's always a controversial vote with the board. Um, and so we knew it was coming. We were talking about, you know, the timing up when we, we need to push back the comprehensive district design vote. We don't want it to be right up against the conversation that we're having about the school resource officers. Um, and like I said, it's always controversial and very heated discussions about you know officers in schools and so we were cognizant of that but didn't think we were gonna have to deal with it until the summer mm-hmm. so then yeah. is, go ahead nathaniel yeah i just want to say i think i think correct correct me if i'm wrong dr ellison but i think going into fall of next year we're, i think we're gonna have to look at you know, implementation of the comprehensive district design. We're going to have to look at uh, how we're going to reopen schools and make sure students are safe. And then we're going to have to completely rethink, you know, what safety and security looks like in schools. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a lot. So what are you thinking in terms of, of how to, uh, because I think a lot of school districts that I've worked with, they can't imagine anything different than the current design that they have where police are an integral part of school safety. And so I'm just wondering, what are you thinking you will put in place um, to address um, police not being there? Well, we've given the superintendent until our August 18th meeting to come back to us with a plan. Um, he is meeting with principals and other staff members in the school um, to make sure that he has a good feeling of what they need. He's um, talked about needing to maybe hire some security staff or what he's referred to as our high-touch schools, schools that had a lot of re- higher number of referrals to the school resource officers or to 911 calls, um, which we will then discuss at our next um, meeting in, in July before we get to the August meeting because it's a hiring decision that he needs to make. He needs board approval to do that. 
My concern is that these schools that um, we've labeled as high-touch schools are some of our schools that have higher percentage of black students. And I'm afraid that we might be um, supporting or creating the idea that black bodies must be feared. Yeah. Um, and, and so that will be a discussion that we'll have in the next couple of months. I, I know that for September, when school starts, in whatever form it starts in, um, whether it's distance learning or some hybrid or everyone in the school again, we need to have school safety. You know, that needs to be addressed and people need to feel comfortable with that. Um, and so right away, we might have to approve hiring security staff um, for some of our schools, but he has talked about them spending a year listening to community and students um, and staff about what does school safety look like without officers. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that opens up a brand new conversation. I, was, I just want to say I was really impressed when we um, said we, we noticed a meeting uh, Thursday or Friday, that we were going to vote on this contract, on, on, on this resolution to end this contract, and that Tuesday, that Nathaniel, in, in that one weekend, was able to put together a survey, um, get almost 2,000 students to respond with not just how they felt about school resource officers, but also ideas. Um, and so I'm hoping that we can plug into that energy. Students have ideas. We need to be listening mm -hmm. to them. Yeah, and Nathaniel, I would love to hear from you as a student. Um, how are you feeling in regards to the idea of no officers? And what did you find out from those uh, surveys of, of 2,000 kids? Yeah. Uh, you know, I get that question a lot. Like, Nathaniel, will you feel safe when you go to school? Uh, I think the important thing to remember is that we're not know like cutting safety and security we are just cutting our ties the minneapolis police department so will there be uh safety and security procedures yes will that look different next year or will it include uh someone with a weapon and an mpd badge uh yes uh so i i think when it comes to that solution making what we found from the service is Students want more social, and by the way, this isn't like new stuff. Kids have been uh, advocating for this for years. It's more social workers, counselors, uh, deans, mental health workers. Kids want to see restorative justice practices implemented in schools. And, you know, even since the vote, uh, I've been having conversations with students on what they want to see long term. So not as much like, you know, what happens in August and September, but, you know, some more long term work about what, you know, possible safety and security looks like and i've actually been you know meeting with actually some of our former student reps and we've been having that conversation weekly about you know how can we engage students you know further down the road mm -hmm. uh get some long-term solutions but that's just those are just conversations right now yeah what um what was the impetus for um, severing the ties with the police department. I mean, obviously the death of George Floyd, but um, what what have you seen as the relationship between the Minneapolis Police Department and the school district and schools uh, individually um, throughout throughout the history of this contract? Yes, we um, 
every three years, like I said, when this contract comes up, um, it is the board asks that, what, what's something else we could do? Give us options. Don't just come to us with the school resource officer contract. Um, what if we did not have a, this contract with the city, what are some other options? And staff would come back with, um, here's something else we could do. And I don't remember any of the details, but I do remember they saying it would cost $3 million. It would cost $8 million. Our contract with the city was $1.1 million. Um, and so it never felt like a real plan. A real um, option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's, we don't really have an option. We need to do the school resource officer. Um, but now that others even across the country, other districts are saying, you know, we're going to sever our ties with the police, whether they had um, a district hired their own security or if they had um, a contract with the police department in their city, there are a lot of conversations about school safety without police officers. And I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But so... Yeah, Nathaniel, what, oh, sorry. So, what, so, what, so, what a lot of what happened is, um, we said a year ago, this would be easier for our public to stomach, we were thinking, if it didn't cost us so much, and it's 1.1. And so, a year and a half ago, in January of 2019, um, what would happen is our budget um, is lined up, our fiscal year is lined up with our school year. But we would start talking about our budget in March or April that we would have to pass by June 30th. The city was on a calendar year. And so by the time we start talking about the budget and going to the city and say, can we do something about the cost? They would say, well, we've already approved our budget. So a year and a half ago, we asked superintendent to negotiate a lower cost on this budget. Um, but in that resolution, we also talked about how... Um, our values did not line up with the police department because of persistent and unacceptable behavior of some of the actions of the officers on the street. And that, that behavior was also hurting the school resource um, officer program that we had in our schools because our students to see um, that armed, uniformed officer in school um, that didn't look any different than the officer on the street that may have been harassing his family or someone who looked like him, um, that that was hurting the program. And because of that, we needed to look at different things. Um, and so that was a year and a half ago. And so while it looked like it was very, like a knee-jerk reaction to what happened with um, Mr. Floyd in the street, it's something that the board talks about. Often, yeah, it um, sounds like going up to this. you'd already had this yeah. conversation going for a year and a half before this. Yep, and three years ago, I remember talking about how this um, police department had an opportunity to reevaluate their use of force policy and said, no, we're not even going to talk about it. And so I remember the, my vote on it three years ago was, you know, I was unsure of how I could support it because they didn't even want to have a conversation of how they could yeah. treat residents better in the streets. And so what does that do for our students and their relationship with officers in the schools? Yeah. How have you seen, Nathaniel, um, 
students and police officers interacting at school like um is it is it pretty friendly or is it you know i think a lot of people have images of police you know really um you know having great relationships with young people and and you know being leaders in schools is that different than the experience that you've seen or uh i mean the important thing to remember is that you know every student's experience and you know any school is different sure uh so i've had pretty minimal you know connection with our sro uh but i don't think you know, the decision that was made earlier in the month wasn't because of, you know, some action taken by, you know, a police officer in a school. It was, you know, are we going to morally align ourselves, you know, with this institution? Are we mm -hmm. best in the Minneapolis Police Department uh, after the, the, the harm and pain that they've you now caused to communities uh, across the city more than uh, did one specific SRO? Uh, do something that we were uncomfortable with or we thought was unethical. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that you guys... Oh, go ahead, Kim. We have one school that feels harmed by this decision. They had a school resource officer who, one, lived in the community, grew up in the community, graduated from the school that he was um, now working in. He was a police officer. He coached their football team after school. They had worked in... Um, their school resource officer as part of the community of the school. And, you know, like I said, they feel harmed by this decision that we made. And so this, but this was, we could not base this decision on an action of one or two officers in the school, like Nathaniel said. This was, can we align ourselves with the Minneapolis Police Department? Yeah. I talked about a budget as a moral document. If you want to see what people value, Look at what they spend money on. Wow. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's powerful. One thing that Jim and I have been hearing as we've been talking to different educational leaders in our podcast is just the emphasis on the social emotional learning and support for students and, you know, the challenges that kids face. And I'm curious about how that conversation has been part of the board overall and and maybe even just how could that be tied into where you go in the future, whether you hire security staff or not? Is that a big part of the work you do with your kids? Well, we've talked about um, social-emotional learning is one of our priorities for this um, school year, for this past school year. Um, and it's, it started our conversation about values um, as a district. And so, yes, it it weighs heavily in terms of um, what it is that we want students to feel. We also are talking about a culture um, and climate framework. How do we make sure students feel welcome in schools um, and feel comfortable? And it's not just the building, uh, the lighting. It's what we're teaching. It's who's in front of them teaching it. Um, that we've been having lots of conversations about and social emotional learning is a big piece of that. Yeah, and if you don't mind, Kim, I want to just put out there to the world that I think every board chair should have taught alternative ed. <laughs> Thank you. 
Because really, you have insights that even Jim and I, myself, who we've been in educational leadership, right? we've been principals, but that experience being an alternative ed is really looking at kids who have been kind of kicked around a little bit, right? And so you have firsthand knowledge on how to support kids, maybe who have who have had some challenges, and uh, I appreciate your insights. I can I can hear well, it in your answers, and I recognize your your priorities. Thank thank you so much. I think one of my personal goals when I started on the school district um, on the school board was look at what happened in a small school of 150 students. Um, like you said, these are students that um, traditional public schools has not worked for them yeah. in the past. That's how they end up in this alternative education. Um, they're too young to not be in school, but school isn't working for them. I wanted to take what worked for these 150 students to scale. Yeah. And so that it works for 35,000 students in the district. So students don't have to leave a traditional school to find success. So thank you. And when you figure that out, you could package it. And I think uh, (laughs) you could make a lot of money and probably pay for a lot of security and support for everybody. There you go. And then we'll have you as president. or. So, Nathaniel, do you have any recommendations for schools um, that, you know, from a student perspective, uh, I think that young people's voices are not as heard in schools as they should be. Um, Do you have any um, little things that you would recommend that schools pay attention to that students are concerned about uh, as far as maybe school safety is concerned or even uh, student leadership is concerned? Yeah. Uh, I think one thing, you know, is I keep saying that, but, you know, there have been students advocating for this, uh, you know, for, for years. This didn't start, you know, a month ago. This didn't start a year and a half ago. You know, it's been going on for, I don't want to say generations, but definitely for a very long time. Uh, so when, when, I, when, when I say, you know, listen to your students, I don't mean tokenize your students, but uh, don't bring them to the table, but, you know, you know take action. Uh, I think the most frustrating part you know, about all of this is that there are students, you know, advocating this, advocating for this for quite a while. And, you know, we had to wait until there was uh, the incident with George Floyd to decide to take action. I think if there's one thing that, you know, districts across the country can learn is, you know, don't wait until there is a George Floyd in your community and you have to wait and go through the suffering and pain that, you know, our city is going through right now uh, to do something. And, you know, really, I think, I I think the way that I look at it now is, you know, if you think that the Minneapolis Police Department uh, just happens to be one bad apple, uh, you're not that much different than the people who think that uh, the officers who murdered George Floyd were four bad apples. Uh, So, yeah. So, Nathaniel, just to go a little bit deeper, if you don't mind, if, if you were to have those people come and be part of our conversation here, they've been advocating for this for a long time, you say. What would they yeah. say? They would say, we don't want the Minneapolis Police Department to be part of our schools because what would be some themes? Uh, I think that, you know, sometimes we tend to, uh, we, need, we need to stop criminalizing students. We need to stop uh, seeing them, you know, as a threat. Uh they, they're learners in the end. They are growing human beings. Uh, I think, you know, I, I've had, you know, students from across the country reach out. I had a student 
the student rep from San Jose reach out. Uh, and I think, you know, students are frustrated when uh, they can get a cop in their school, but they can't get uh, a nurse or they don't have an adequate number of counselors or they can't get the resources that they need. Perfect. Mm. Thank you so much. Because I think that's exactly right. You know, we're very heavy on this kind of tactic, if you will, about how we're trying to create this safe space. And, and I think you did a great job on putting that into some very concise words. Well, um, this seems like a little bit of a fluffy question, given the circumstances, but I want to ask it anyway. I mean, if you could go back in a time machine, we always ask all of our guests this question, and talk to your younger selves, um, what advice would you give? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, and, you know, I think of the mistakes that I've made in the past. And, of course, I would, I would think I would want to go back and avoid those mistakes. But I think making those mistakes made I, who I am today. Um, and so maybe, maybe not that. But one thing I have as an adult, wish that I had done more of when I was a child was talk to my grandparents um, and find out what was life like when they were my age. Um, I think about that a lot now. So I think that's the one thing I would want to do is um, talk more to my to the older people in my family. Um, and like I said, find out what were some of their hopes and wishes when they were younger. Mm. Nathaniel, how about you? If you could talk to your younger self, what would you? What advice would you give yourself? Uh, well, I'm only 16, so <laughs> I can only remember the last 10 years, so there's not not that much room to work with. Uh, you know, if I could like talk to like my middle school self from my, you know, early high school years, I would probably uh, probably convince myself to be more involved. I think growing up, I was always uh, afraid to you know speak out or get engaged be engaged or get involved uh, and, and really I was like okay I'll set this one out oh maybe not now or just make excuses for myself to not uh, you know take on some issues and be involved in my school I think the first time I my first extracurricular was you know like halfway through sophomore year that was the first time I got involved uh, in my school and you know like 10 months later, you know, or a year and a half later, you know, here I am. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I think that's a lot of things with students where they feel like, you know, what you have to say isn't worthy or, you know, you may have some self doubt or you may feel like you're the lone voice in the room. And at this point I've kind of, you know, I'm really far past that and, uh, I'm happy that I am, but I wish I did a little quicker. Mm. Good advice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I really commend you both on your courage and just um, getting this conversation in education circles because um, I've been wondering how schools were going to address uh, these very, very important national issues um, from an educational perspective, and you have. You've found a way to uh, make it uh, make it impact make it stick in the education world and so uh, I really appreciate that and I, I also really appreciate having both of you as part of this conversation because um, 
you know, I think, like you said, Nathaniel, I don't, I don't know that we pay enough attention to what students have to say. So um, I think that, it, that this is wonderful. Tracy. And and I want to just add that uh, we do appreciate your willingness to be part of the board and to take time and to be in those meetings and to make tough decisions and to fight what you think is right. And it may not always, you know, feel like you're making progress or it might not even feel like you're making enough people happy. Um, but I but I want to just honor the work that you've done and the leadership that you've had for not only Minneapolis, but for the rest of us. So thank you. And thank you for giving us time today. We know that life is busy and for you to give us this little bit from your day means a lot. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Best of luck with everything. Yeah. Best of luck with everything this school year. And um, we'll, we'll be watching to see how you move forward. Thank you. Thank you, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.